Okay, it's Thursday. So this is called Special Days. Our topic is Pesach Sheni. Pesach Sheni. Pesach Sheni is a Pasuk in Chumash. Pasuk is That uh, the Yid were to Pesach. And the Chazal say, the Gemara says, that the story of the Pesach Sheni is a big criticism of the Jewish people. Why? Because in Mitzrayim they brought a carbon Pesach. In the year 2448 they brought a carbon Pesach by divine decree. The next year, 2449, Hashem specifically, directly instructed them to bring a carbon Pesach which they brought. And the next carbon Pesach they brought after that was 2488. In other words, the 38, 9 years that the Yidden were in the mid, but they did not bring a carbon Pesach. And it's considered a disgrace for the Jewish people. And the understanding is that if the Yidden had asked and insisted that they should bring a carbon Pesach, the Ebishter would have let them, and they didn't. So carbon Pesach was done in Mitzrayim, was done in the Midbar once. The next time they brought a carbon Pesach was after the Jewish people went to the Holy Land. In the year 2488, they brought a carbon Pesach. And as you know, those early carbon Pesachs were complicated. When Yidden were Mitzrayim, they had to bring a carbon Pesach. They couldn't bring the carbon Pesach until they did a bris milah. Because the, the Pesach says, You know they didn't come Pesach if you're an Odal. And Yidden in Mitzrayim, for the most part, stopped circumcising their children. They didn't do bris milah. So when Moshe Rabbeinu came to the Yidden on the Shechidosh Nisna, he told them, that to bring carbon Pesach, he didn't have to scramble and do, they did millions of brisen over the course of those few days until the, the carbon Pesach was brought on the 14th of Nisan of the year 2448. Forty years later, when the Yidin went into Etisol, it was the same story. The Jews had not done brismila in the Midbar for whatever reason. And Yeshua ben Nun made a, a, I forgot what he calls it, there was a mountain of uh, the, uh, thousands and thousands of thousands of Yidna do a, a bris milah before the carbon Pesach in the year 2488. And in between those two carbon Pesachs was only one. And this is the story, of course, the Pesach Sheni. What's the story of Pesach Sheni? Hashem tells Moshe Rabbeinu, tell the Jewish people they should bring carbon Pesach. And a group of Jews said, we can't. There were people who were Tomei the Nefesh Some of the Jewish people were Tomei. And they were not able to bring the carbon Pesach. Now, why were they Tomei? So, of course, according to some opinions, they were Tomei because they were busy with the Aroino Yishal Yosef. Somebody had to look after the remains of Yosef HaTzadik. Yosef HaTzadik's body was carried to the Midbar. And those Jews who were busy with the tomb of Aroino Yosef couldn't bring the carbon Pesach on time. So they complained, Lamanigara, why should we miss out? And of course, one of the most important and interesting sukkim in the Chumash that gets missed out a lot is that Moshe Rabbeinu tells the Jewish people, the Jewish people complain, excuse me, we're Tomei, we can't bring carbon Pesach. Why should we miss out on the opportunity? And Hashem, Moshe says, you know, I'll ask. I'll ask. And the, the imagination that I have when I read this, you have this a few places in the Chumash. Well, Moshe Rabbeinu says, okay, I'll ask. By the Bnei Slochot also. The Bnei Slochot complained, why should we lose out the land? And Moshe Rabbeinu says, I'll ask. So in my imagination, it's like you or I. If I have a shy left to go to Barov, if I have a question, I don't know what to do, I go to a rabbi. So which rabbi do I go to? I have to find a rabbi that's available. I have to knock on his door, and hopefully he's in the office, and he has a few minutes, and he answers my shayla. Meshach Rabbeinu had a rabbi. Who was Meshach Rabbeinu's rabbi? Nebishter. 
So he comes to the Ebishter like I come to a Rav and I say, Rebbe, Ebishter, what should I do? What's the halach? And the Rashi says, in other places in the Torah, can you imagine being a human being? A human being that has a relationship with the Ebishter like a Balabos and a Rav. He has a Shaila. The Ebishter is his Rav. And the Ebishter has to paskin for him. Hashem has to paskin. Because if Hashem is not going to paskin, he's not going to know what the Psak Din is. And Hashem paskins. Hashem tells him what to do. I mean, we have occasions where Hashem didn't tell him what to do, right? When did Meshach Rebbe ask Hashem, so I'm not going to tell you? By the Meragla. By the Meragla. But the didn't ask. By the Meragla, he asked Hashem, said, this is on you. You make figures out yourself. But aside from the Meraglim, where he asked, and he was told, I'm not telling you, and by the rock that you mentioned, that he didn't ask, uh, Moshe Rabbeinu would ask a question, he had an answer, and Hashem said, you're right, they're talking, they shouldn't be deprived, and the Eivish gave them a new mitzvah, the mitzvah Pesach Sheni. Pesach Sheni is that one month later, on the 14th day of the month of Iyar, all those Jewish people who missed out on bringing the carbon Pesach Rishim were able to bring a Pesach Sheni. In the Yom Yom it says, the Pesach Sheni Yom. Now there was a Yom of this coming Monday. It says that Pesach Sheni has a message. Pesach Sheni has a lesson. What is the lesson? What is the message of Pesach Sheni? The lesson and the message of Pesach Sheni is as it came on it fallen, it's never too late. Right? What's the expression inside? Men can alamon You can always fix. In other words, when a person comes Pesach and he bring, he can't bring a carbon. There's something wrong with him. Men can men can From that vein, you can always fix it. In other words, the theme of Pesach Sheni means I messed it up, I made a mistake, I did something wrong, and I need to fix it. And the Abisha says, you can. Moreover, the mitzvah of Pesach Sheni goes a step further. Even if I missed out on the first Pesach because of my laziness, I missed out on the first Pesach because my own disinterest in doing a mitzvah. Even in a case where it's my fault, where it's lachem. There's a Pesach Sheni and you can always fix it. So Pesach Sheni has been a part of Jewish history since uh, the Jewish people were born, right? They got the Teda, the 15th, the seventh, sixth day of the month of Sivan, the year 2448, the following year, about 10 months later, 10 and a half months later, when Hashem gave the Yidna Mitzvah to bring a carbon Pesach, it was used to the Mitzvah of carbon Pesach Sheni. So Pesach Sheni is a part of Jewish life and Jewish tradition. But our Rebbe made it into a very, very big deal. Right? Over the course of the Rebbe's Nesias, the Rebbe took a few days that exist in the Jewish calendar that people mark by eating a little matzah and by not saying tachnun. I was telling the girls in seminary bays that this year at least Pesach Shein is on a Monday, so you can save a whole vuhurachum, you know. If it's on a Tuesday or a Wednesday, it's like, what are you saving? What's Pesach Shein? You don't say tachnun. If you have some matzah left over, you eat matzah. The Rebbe made Pesach Sheni into Yom Tov. In my years, when I was in Yeshiva, every year Pesach Sheni, the Rebbe made a fabreng. What's Pesach Sheni in a, in a word? What's Pesach Sheni? Second chance. Okay. True. Give it to me in another words. Pesach Sheni is Baal Tshuva. That's what Pesach Sheni is. Pesach Sheni is Tshuva and Baal Tshuva. That's what Pesach Sheni is. Pesach Sheni is, I made a mistake. I stunk it up. It's my fault. My laziness, my apathy, my temptation, my lust, my weakness. Pesach Sheini says it's never too late, I can always fix it. That's the message of Pesach Sheini. In other words, Pesach Sheini's message is the message of Tshuva. Now let's go back to the beginning. Let's go back to the beginning. Who's the first Baal Tshuva? I once gave a class 
Once you have a class, there's a woman who comes to my classes in 770. Since COVID started, I haven't seen her. She sits in her house and she watches me online. And I hate to say it, but she's still alive. You know, there was a woman who came back after COVID to my classes and unfortunately passed away. I'm not blaming my classes, but that's what happened. She got COVID and she died. We, we, my classes were suspended last year, Purim. And in the summer, we start to slowly trickle back into 770. So different women, you know, younger women were not afraid. Older women are more afraid. And there's one lady who came to my classes back. And she's unfortunately was a very big, special woman. There's another lady who, who I haven't seen her since COVID started. But she had a special birthday party. I came to her house. And I was trying to find something nice to talk about. It was Aserah Simei So I took out the Slichas of Tzem Who reads? I mean, we all say it, but no one pays attention, yeah? The Slichas of Kemedalia has a list of the first Baalei Tshuva. You know who's the first Baal Tshuva? Um, the first Baal Tshuva is Cain. Cain. Cain and Abel. Cain was the first Baal Tshuva. Adam does an Aveda and he blames it on Chava. Cain does an Aveda, he murders his brother. And he says, God love when you're in the sight, you can't, you can't forgive me? You can't tolerate my Aveda. And it says in the Kinnis that the first person to do tshuva, in other words, Kayin and all of his Mishagas, Kayin is the first Baal tshuva. I mean, since Kayin, there have been a lot of Baal tshuva, but Kayin is considered the first Baal tshuva. Who else does tshuva that we read about in our history? Reuven. Reuven. Reuven had the situation with Bilbul Yitzhuayoviv, right? He takes his father's bed that was placed in the tent of Billah and he moves it into Leia's bed and they make this into the worst Aved in the world. And the Chazals say that Reuven, Reuven did tshuva. Reuven did tshuva. But the Chazals say something else. What motivated Reuven to do tshuva? Who gets credit for Reuven's tshuva? Yehuda. How did Yehuda help him do tshuva? Yehuda helped him do tshuva because Yehuda did also an Aveda. He did a pretty big Aveda with Tamar. And what's the story? The Gemara says this. Yehuda does Aveda with Tamar. And Tamar is prepared to be burnt alive and take two unborn fetuses. She was pregnant with twins with her because she was not going to show up at Yehuda. Yehuda was going to have to admit. So she sends him. You see the stick? You see this, this, this pen? You see this signet, signet ring, the signature? Whoever owns these, that's the person from whom I'm pregnant. And of course, it was Yehuda's. And if Yehuda says, I don't know who this is, they're going to burn her, and that'll be it, story be over. And Yehuda says, Tzatka, she's right, you meant it, she's pregnant from me. And of course, you understand yourself that this was not honorable, it didn't make Yehuda look good. And the Gemara says, that when Reuven saw Yehuda admitting that he made a mistake, he also admitted that he made a mistake. One of the hardest things to do in life is to say I'm wrong. One of the hardest things to do in life is to say I'm sorry. Now, if you say I'm sorry enough times, the people you apologize to will say, you know what, keep your apologies and keep your sins, you're a nudnik. But it is a fact of life that to learn how to say I made a mistake to learn how to say, I'm sorry. I know people who are adult men and women who do not know how to say I'm wrong. They can't do it. They can't. And it drives the people around them nuts. And there's a big psychology to it. But for a person to be able to say, I made a mistake, I am sorry, it doesn't sound like a big deal, 
But it's huge, it's huge. So the Chazal say, Yehuda said I'm wrong, Yehuda said I'm starting that motivated the Reuven to do tshuva, so Yehuda gets credit for the Uven's tshuva. Let's continue. The next example is not Mamish, an example of tshuva, it's an example from almost falling into sin. Yosef Tzadik. Right, Yosef Tzadik is about the Gemara says, based on the Apostle, Rashi says two opinions. He came to do his work, or he came to do an Aveira. And he saw his father's face, right? And he runs away. And he ends up 13 years in jail because she grabs his, uh, his, his begged, right? Now, the Torah tells us the story of Yosef HaTzadik. And Yosef HaTzadik doesn't do an Aveda. Yosef HaTzadik is considered the consummate Tzadik. Part of what makes Yosef HaTzadik who Yosef HaTzadik was, was the Aveda that he did, that he almost did, right? Let's go forward. Who else in history? Famous by the children. Very, very famous by the children. The most famous Balchub of all is King David. I only know them because I read them in a book. <laughs> David Amalekh is the biggest Balchub of all. David Amalekh wrote Psalm 51, Kapitel Nonalaf and Tilim. We say it every night in Kishmish Alamita. It's a very uncomfortable Padek. David Amalekh calls himself the kind of names you wouldn't call the people you hate. He belittles himself. He's, he's so bitter. He's so frustrated. He's so angry with himself. And he expresses a, a real remorse. Now, but again, the David HaMelech, there's an interesting Gemara. There's a very interesting Gemara, but again, the David HaMelech. The Gemara says about David HaMelech that there's no way in the world David HaMelech should have done the Aveda that he did about Sheva. David HaMelech was not at all in that category. I mean, David HaMelech, I, I, I've been a, I'm a teacher and a public speaker for... For a very, very long time. So, you, you know, you make up a few things along the way. Uh, and one of the cliches that I use, I think, I think this is quite accurate, is this. The Abishter picks on certain people and the Abishter has certain favorites, certain pets. Who does Abishter pick on? Which ones? No, Tadikim is right, but I'm, I'm talking about individual names, specific people. My answer is, he picks on the first. Kings. Perhaps he picks on other magicians. He picks on Reuven. Reuven is accused of being a big sinner for moving a bed from a room to a room with all due respect. And he picks on Shaul HaMelech. The Abishta picks on the firsts. Adam, Reuven, Shaul. And in Kabbalah, it says... No, the first in a category. The first human being, the first of the Shvatim, and the first of the kings. I'm sorry. Well, I don't know. I don't know. The snack they picked on the altar. <laughs> and they did a fine job. They represented God well. Um, but in Tanakh, you see how the Abishnah doesn't forgive all the meditation, doesn't forgive Ruv, doesn't give Shal. And then the Abishnah has favorites. Who's Abishnah's favorites? In my book, the youngest. Avram Avinu <laughs> and David Amalekh. Avram Avinu and David Amalekh. <laughs> Hashem's love for Avram Avinu is unbelievable. And David HaMelech, the Gemara says, Shaul did one tiny Aveda, Hashem wasn't forgiven. David HaMelech does Avedas that are far more substantive, and he's forgiven. And of course, there's a big discussion in Svarim, why? Okay? And there's a lot of details about it. And the beginning of it is, according to Kabbalah, Shaul was so much holier than David. Shaul's Neshama was much, much higher than David HaMelech's Neshama. But the fact was that Shaul was never meant to be a king, and it doesn't work out. David HaMelech was always meant to be a king and it does work out. So the Gemara says, I'm getting back to my original point, that there's no way in the world to explain how David fell in the Maisa of Basheva. He made other mistakes, but the mistake of Basheva, he was, he was beyond it. 
David Melech was such a holy man. So the Gemara says, no, if David Melech was not royal, if, it, if there's no way to explain how he fell in the story of Bathsheba, why did it happen? And the Gemara says, because the Abish they wanted David Melech to teach us how to do tshuva. David HaMelech was, so to speak, forced to do an Aveira, so he should do Tshuva, and we should learn from David HaMelech how to do Tshuva. The Pasuk says, Num HaGever, Num David Ben Yishai, Num HaGever, who come all, so one of the interpretations of the word all is, Oila Shal Tshuva. David HaMelech is the, is the, is the prototype, he's the marshal for a Baal Tshuva, because in his own personal life, David HaMalach does tshuva. Now we're Hasidim, right? So we miss out on everything that the Misnagdim have. The Misnagdim are Misnagdim, so they miss on everything we have. But Misnagdim have a different Nusach of Vidoy and Tachlan than we do. So Hasidim, Lubavitchers, unless you've been exposed to other cultures, don't get a chance to see their version. Except by Slichis. By Slichis, we read the Misnagdim Shetachlan also, the Vidoy and Tachlan also. By Yehimid David El God. The Novi, whose name is God, comes to David HaMelech and he gives David HaMelech a choice. You're going to be punished for Aveda, but either it can come directly from the Ebishter or it can come from the people. And David HaMelech says to the Novi, God, I want Hashem to punish me. So we, we don't say this every day. Misnagdim say this every day. Ashkenazim. We say the David. You know, the, 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 you know after Hashem Hashem, the David, they say this puzzle. Which means, David HaMelech says to the Prophet God, I want God to punish me personally because he's merciful. I don't want to be punished by people because the people are going to punish me. They're going to punish me cruelly. And then whatever the story, the story plays out, David HaMelech gets, this request is, is granted. But David HaMelech is a prototype. David HaMelech is a marshal for tshuva. Okay, move on. The next famous Baal tshuva. And this is Lashayir Abim. You can guess if you want, but I'm not going to... I'm trying to go in chronological order, but I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to forget one or two and go back to them. The next one is Ninveh. Ninveh. Now, Ninveh is a tricky one. Why is Ninveh a tricky one? Anybody? Because they were Goyim. They were Goyim, they were non-Jews. And the Rebbe has a, a, a note, which he repeats oftentimes in the Sikhs, that Jews have Tayyad mitzvahs. We have 630 mitzvahs. One of the mitzvahs Jewish people have is the mitzvah of Tshuva. And the Rebbe says, Goyim are given Shavu mitzvahs b'nei nech. Tshuva is not one of them. Can a Goy who sins do Tshuva? Does a Goy get a check and chance? Can a Goy say, I'm sorry, I made a mistake, forgive me, and Hashem forgives him. Yes or no? And I'll tell you how this question plays out. No. A guy who keeps Sheva Mitzvah B'nai Nayach girls has a chilek and elam abog. He stands up at Tchiyas HaMesim. He lives forever. Is he our slave? No, no, no. Don't go there. Please, we did this last week. I had so much trouble last week. Um, no, he's a slave of Tchiyas HaMesim. Everybody is a piece of a locust. So the shaila is, does a guy also have an opportunity to So the Rebbe yes. writes, there's a machlekes. There's different opinions. Now, what's the proof that Goyim can also do tshuva? Ninveh. Now, but there's a double tragedy with Ninveh. Why? Because the Navi is hoping that his mission fails. Right? What's the story of Yoyna? We read it on Yom Kippur. Yoyna runs away from God as if you could. 
Why is Yoyna run? Hashem hu He runs away from God. Why does Yoyna run away from God? Because he doesn't want to go to Ninveh. He doesn't want to give the message. The message is, in 40 days, hence Ninveh is becoming, it's going to be, a, it's going to turn over, become a volcano, an earthquake, Ninveh is going to collapse and disappear from the face of the earth. However, the Abish is going to pull it off. Why? Because they were sinners. And Ninveh comes in, so Yoyinavis and he's followed by the fish, the fish spits him out, he comes to Ninveh and he makes his announcement and his word reaches the king of Ninveh. So it says in Islam that the king of Ninveh, this is a Gilgal of Pare. I don't think it means that Pare lived 600 years. I just don't think that that's the Pshat. It was a Gilgal of Pare, right? The Pare who took Yitin and Mitzrayim becomes the king of Ninveh. But between Yitzhak, Mitzrayim and Ninveh, you're talking Mamish 600 years. So I'm assuming it's a Gilgal, although when we were children in Cheder, they said, why not if, you know, Noyak's wife was uh, 1,400 years old when she, when she went out of the table. Why can't Pare Mitzrayim be six? Noyach's wife was the granddaughter of Cain. She was born before the year 130. Noyach was born in the year 930. She was up to 600 years older, than, 900 years older than her husband. He has kids at 600. She's about 1500 years old. just three little boys. You make the cheshbon. You do the math. She lived forever. But okay. I, again, there's all different kinds of ways of explaining these issues, but I think that the king of Ninveh that we always were taught in Chedin, it says in Chazal, is Pari Melchipashta Gilgal of his Neshama, and he says, We're not messing with this God. If the God of the Hebrews said something's going to happen, we're doing tshuva, and they do tshuva. They mamish do tshuva. And he says, You have to fast for three days, and the animals have to fast, the babies have to fast, but more important than the fasting, you stole, give it back. You hurt, fix. And the Navi says, They saw their actions, so the Chazal, and say, Hashem didn't punish them because they wore sackcloth and because they fast. Hashem forgave them because they actually fixed their ways. And Yoyne is disappointed. He's disappointed. He's devastated. Why? Because it makes the Jews look bad. It's man by Yisrish and Yid living in Yisrael. We're the base Amikdash. We're the Kohen Gadol. And we're the Kohen Shakadoshim. And the Navi, the Navi talks to the walls. The Navim got killed. How many Navim were killed? The Chariah, Yeshaya, you name it. Navim were murdered for giving the word of God that Yidin should do tshuva. And he goes to a bunch of Goyim in Ninveh. And Ninveh, by the way, is someplace in Iraq. And um, people know where Ninveh is, the actual geographical location. And they take him seriously. So the Eibishter doesn't answer Yoyin on his tithing. Yoyin says, I don't, I'm, I'm a prophet for the Jewish people. I don't want to help hurt Yidin. And the Eibishter answers him, I, I hear you. I, I hear you. You worry about the Jews. That's a good tithing. But I have to worry about the people of Ninveh. They're also my children. Also my creation. So the people of Ninveh become the, the model for the collective tshuva. Doing tshuva as a group. A whole bunch of people together do tshuva. This is the story of... Uh, of, of Ninveh. Ninveh. Now what are the classic models we have of Bali Tshuva? I'm speaking from memory, but this is a slichas that we say to him, Gedalia. Menashe. You ever heard of Menashe? Yeah. Menashe the king. Menashe the king. Yeah. Menashe, the Mishnah says, hey, he wasn't forgiven. Menashe was a king for 55 years. Nobody had greater longevity than he did as a king. 22 of those years he was a Rosh Shemerush. Amongst his wonderful acts of sin and evil was he murdered his own grandfather. 
his mother's father. You know what his name was? Yeshaya. Menashe kills Yeshaya. The one from the book. Yeshaya. He murdered Yeshaya Anavi, one of the greatest Jews who ever lived. Menashe murders Yeshaya Anavi. He was a Rosh Merush. After 22 years, he spent 33 years doing Chubb. Menashe had other things also. Menashe was very, very smart. He was a big Talmud Chacham. So he used to make a joke out of the Teda by making Tulpulim Shal Hevel. He used to use the rules of the Teda, of Kavuchem, Zereshava, and the Yanav, to show how you can make a joke out of the Teda. You can use the Klolim of Kavuchem, Zereshava, to come up with pretty weird stuff. And there's a Gemara that brings the Tulpulim Shal Hevel of Menashe. He used to Dafka try to make a joke out of the Teda by using the rules of the Teda in a way that makes the Teda look foolish. Was he the one who had the power of the Mashiach? Had what? The power of the Mashiach. No, his father. His father, Chizkiyahu, who wouldn't get married. And the reason Chizkiyahu wouldn't get married, because Chizkiyahu knew that he's going to have a son of Russia. And Yeshaya says to him, that's not your business. You have a mitzvah to have children. What the Abish didn't want to do with those kids is his business. So Chizkiyahu says, okay, I'm going to get married. I'm going to marry your daughter. So he marries his daughter. And the schad that they get for this arrangement is that the grandson kills the grandfather of so Menashe was not but by Menashe it's also brought this idea that Menashe did tshuva as big a rasha as he was that he was a very big rasha Menashe does tshuva and the Ebishter forgives him now I'm going to give you one more example about tshuva which is not brought in the slichas and then I'm sort of going to make a point okay now the reason I'm having this conversation with you is we're talking about Pesach Sheni Pesach Sheni really is a tshuva theme it's a tshuva theme Pesachin is Monday. It's coming Monday. My mass model of a Balchuva is the Rebbe Elizabeth Nadai, the one you mentioned. Rebbe Elizabeth Nadai apparently lived in the time of the second base of Mikdash. She's mentioned in the Gemara. Rebbe Elizabeth Nadai, the Chazal, say, did every Avera you could do. Never missed a chance. Never missed the opportunity to do an Avera. Rebbe Elizabeth Nadai was old or elderly. And he heard the voice coming out of the heavens that anybody who wants could do tshuva, even a Russia like him. The Gemara says, I don't remember, I haven't seen this Gemara in almost 30 years, so I can't say I'm quoting it correctly, but this is the Teich Gemara, that he heard a voice that came out from heaven and said, now is an opportunity to do tshuva. So he grabbed it, but he asked for help. Who asked for help? So it says in the Chazal he asked. He didn't ask people, he asked forces. He asked the heaven, he asked the earth, he asked the land, he asked the sea. In other words, he asked Malachim, he asked big spirits to help him do tshuva. And each entity that he asked to do tshuva gave him the same answer. If I'm going to help you do tshuva, I should do tshuva for my own sins first. The earth has its sins, the land has the sea, its sins, the sea has its sins, the heaven, whatever it was, all the different entities, which is basically Malachim whom he asked to help him do tshuva, said to him, if we're going to do tshuva, we're going to do tshuva for ourselves. Sarabalazabedadayim made a very, very startling discovery. This is another very interesting idea about tshuva. Tshuva you do alone. Tshuva is a lonely business. Fun you have with everybody. Mitzvah you have with everybody. Tshuva is a lonely affair. Tshuva you do by yourself. And Sarabalazabedadayim realized that no one's going to help him do tshuva. He's going to have to do tshuva himself. So the Gemara says, he went to two mountains, he put his head between his knees. What that means? 
He cried until he died. He cried until he died. So when he died, a voice came out of heaven and said, Rebbe Lozabed Dadaya, he became rabbi. Rebbe Lozabed Dadaya ben Chayyachanam. So Rabbeinu HaKadosh, Rebbe, who wrote the Mishnah, who was probably alive at that time or who knew the story, cried. Bocha Rebbe, Viyama Rabbeinu HaKadosh cried and he said, Yesh Misha Kainalam Shachas, you can get your Elam Havad in out. And of course, there's different interpretations for why Rebbe cried. And one of them is, I serve Hashem my whole life to get Elam Havad. This guy does whatever he wants. In five minutes, he gets the same thing I get. But of course, that's the more cynical view. The more sincere view is that the Benu HaKadosh cried about the whole concept of tshuva. That it's never too late. The Yid can always do tshuva. Because I want to tell you something. I got a few minutes left. I heard an audio tape of the Rebbe, Fabrengen. When the Rebbe became Rebbe, he had certain rules in his head about how people are supposed to behave. And a lot of people broke those rules. And when they broke those rules, Rebbe really wasn't happy and he would make himself clearly known. One of the things that the Rebbe did not like was when Yeshiva Bacharim took his picture. The Rebbe felt that it was very important that his picture should be taken by uh, professional photographers. You know, the New York Times can take pictures of the Rebbe, trainer studios can take pictures of the Rebbe. Yeshiva Bacharim is supposed to learn Teda. If the Rebbe saw Yeshiva Bacharim learning Teda, the Rebbe indicated or said explicitly that this is not... You know, I, had a, I have an uncle who lived me well. He was a boy before Bar Mitzvah who got himself a camera and took pictures of the Rebbe. So one day he's standing in front of the Rebbe. He said he's taking pictures. The Rebbe walked up to him and took the camera away from him. But he didn't keep it. He gave it to his principal, Rabbi Tannenbaum. He was 12 years old, for heaven's sakes. And he tells Rabbi Tannenbaum, I'm giving you the camera. You're this boy's mechanich. You decide how to deal with this situation. Now you understand, this guy had a, fill, a camera full of pictures of the Rebbe. Who else wants copies of pictures of the Rebbe? All Gershon has to say to the Rebbe, if Rabbi Tenenbaum, you give me the camera, you get free copies of the pictures of the Rebbe, and the story's over. Rabbi Tenenbaum called him in the next day and said, listen, the Rebbe gave me the... And of course, from a, from a, from a wacky Hasidish angle, ooh, the camera that the Rebbe touched, you know, it's like the Rebbe's dollar. I, he took it in disgust, but he touched it. I'm going to keep it. I don't even know if he still has the camera. But Rabbi Tenemam said, hey, the Rebbe gave me the camera and said to me, I can't give it. I'm your teacher. I'm your principal. So we have to decide if you deserve the camera back. I don't know what the deal was, but he had to do some kind of a chuvi. Bottom line, he got his camera back and he, he was able to print the film and make money out of the whole situation. So there's an actual, it happened more than once. There's a tape of a Fabrengen where someone is taking pictures of the Rebbe and the Rebbe is really not happy. And the Rebbe says, ask him if he learned Tanya today. Ask him if you learned Tanya. Like you're busy taking pictures of me. Did you learn Tanya today? So they asked him if you learned Tanya. And you, you can hear it on the tape. It's in the middle of a fabric. It's very embarrassing. But the Rebbe felt that Yeshiva Bacha should know it's not his job to take pictures of the Rebbe. And apparently he wasn't even a Lubavitcher boy. The Rebbe didn't know who he was. A guy came to a in 1958, 59. And he's taking pictures of the Rebbe. And the Rebbe... I mean, that's the Ruach HaKadosh, I don't know. The Rebbe didn't recognize him. Ask him if he'd learned Tanya. So somebody goes over to this boy and says, did you learn Tanya? You know what he said? No. He said, no. And you can hear on the tape, the Rebbe's mood changes completely. He says, He admitted the truth. The whole mood of the Rebbe changes. The idea that Iposheth didn't lie 
was a big deal to the Rebbe. Okay, it's time that next time you should learn Tanya. And that's where the story ends. But you, you hear in the tone of the Rebbe's voice a fascinating change. The Rebbe's pre- clearly not happy that a yeshiva bachar is taking his picture. The Rebbe wanted his picture taken, but not by bachar and yeshiva. And the guy simply admits, no, I learned Tanya. No, I didn't. I didn't. No, I don't learn Tanya every day. He says, okay, so next time you'll learn. You want to take my picture, learn Tanya. The whole mood by the Rebbe changes. Which, and it, it's, it's fascinating to listen to. On the one hand, you don't understand why the Rebbe is so upset. But on the other hand, how quickly appeased the Rebbe is. There is, you know, I always tell people, and this is true, I didn't make this up. It says in Sfarim, God has a weakness. You know that God has a weakness? God can be manipulated. God can be worked over. You can be a bad person and get away with murder. Almost. If you know which buttons to push. Does anybody know what is God's weakness? That's the one you expect me to say. God's weakness is peace. P-E-A-C-E. The biggest Rishoyim. If they get along, Hashem can't punish them. The Ebesh has a weakness. Only problem is, God's weakness is our weakness also. We don't know how to get along. But when people get along, the Ebesh and the biggest Rishoyim were not punished for their Vedas because they had between themselves brotherhood. That's one of God's weakness. And this is apparently another one. Just saying I made a mistake is a big deal to Hashem. Now it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. A guy does the wrong thing. A girl does the wrong thing. So they're, what do we call it in the culture? They're bad. And it's, it, nobody's bad. They did a bad thing. But we have this tendency to identify people as good and bad based on their actions. The Abishter has a weakness when a person says I made a mistake. When Yehuda says Tzatka, she's right. Me, many, she's pregnant for me. The Abishter's heart melts. The fact that he did something which, wasn't an Aveda, wasn't an Aveda, the Gemara says that they're not Avedas, whatever the particulars were. The fact of the matter is, he did something, let's just say that it's embarrassing. And he simply admitted, I made a mistake, is by the Abish to huge, huge, huge. It's hard to understand why, but the more you study Torah, the more you see that the Abish that loves about Shovah. He loves about Chuvah. He has a weakness about Chuvah. And by the way, not all Balchuvas, you know, cry until they die. About Chuvah is simply a person who said, I made a mistake. I'm wrong. I'm sorry. And of course, he says, and hopefully tries his best, I won't do it again. I won't repeat the mistake I made. But the Abish that has a weakness, a, a schwachkeit for the Indian of Chuvah. There's an Kutataira with the Alter Rebbe asks the question a hundred times. Why did Abish make the world? Why? Why did Abish make the world? So this, the question is asked on the Kutatera. The Kutatera is about 400 Maimonim, all told, start to finish. Probably a quarter of those Maimonim, or a fifth of those Maimonim, all start with the same question. Why did the Neshama come into this world? And there's different answers. So there's a Maimon, the Kutatera, Pashas Bolok, where the Altarebbe asks the question, and then he says there's many answers to the question, but now I'm going to tell you the true answer, the real answer. You know why the Abish took a Nisham from Ganadin and he put him into this world with all the Nisyans? The answer is Shuva. The real reason is not you need to take a Chaliyah. The real reason is not Birudim. The real reason is not this, that, and the other. The real reason is Maila Satshuva. The Abish gets a special pleasure when a human being is able to say, I made a mistake. I did something wrong. Give me another chance. The Abish gets a special. But the Abish does take a smoker, but the Abish does a very, very special thing.
Tshuva. And that's what Pesach Sheni is. Pesach Sheni is Tshuva. When I was a kid growing up, I, I didn't know too many great Hasidim. First of all, I'm too young. And second of all, I'm too stupid. If, if I had more sensitivity, I could have... I, I saw a lot of great Hasidim. I just didn't know what I was looking at. By the time I realized that you're supposed to look at these people that were all little Mammis. Who did I know? I knew a mental foot to fast. I saw Rabbi Rajik. I didn't see... I don't remember... I mean, I was old enough, but I don't remember Rabbi Jacobson, Rabbi Simpson, Rabbi Shmuel, Levitin. I... They were around when I was around, but I wasn't paying attention to them. So, but the Mendel was one of the few Alter Chassidim that I enjoyed. And one of the Mendel's, so to speak, one of his stories, which goes along with the point, was the definition of Balchuvah is, I'm able to admit I made a mistake, but there's another aspect. You never quit. The Balchuvah never says, eh, I can't do it anyway, why try? And by the Abish that this is a Nachas, if a person has a problem, they do something wrong and they don't want to do it and they stop doing it and then a month later they do it again. So you feel terrible about it. Okay, I'm not going to do it. If you go through, I call the revolving door of tshuva. If you do it enough times, you feel like a hypocrite. You feel sick. You say, you know what? I don't care. The Balchuva says, I care. I'm never going to stop caring. It's tough. The Abishter gets a special nachas from the person who says, I made a mistake and I, you know, like... The professionals say, you're probably going to make this mistake again. I'm not going to stop fighting. I'm not going to stop fighting. I'm going to try my best to do the right thing. If I make a mistake, I'll admit I did it wrong and I'll do it again. The English against the Nachas Ruach from Abal Tshuva. It's just the way it is. And there's some interesting stories about this. I have to keep... I have three minutes. I thought I had more time. So I'll tell you just one story. There's, there's a lot of great stories to tell you. But I wanted to say one thing. If you go to the oil and you read the Rebbe's Mateva, Go outside the oil and read the matzevas that are around the Rebbe. The Rebbe's matzeva has the least information. The Rebbe's matzeva says almost nothing. The matzevas that the them outside the oil are much busier. Then it says the Rebbe's name. And the Ben Harab, whatever, Chosnei Malmokeme of the Friedike Rebbe. The Rebbe's Matzeva says very little. One of the few things written on that Matzeva is Verabim Heishem Meyoven. Verabim Heishem Meyoven means he made Balchuvas. And I don't mean Balchuvas that are holy rollers. Poshet Ayid who sinned, who fell off the wagon, and the Rebbe found him. And you didn't say, Ech. It was Makarevim. And he brought him to Tshuva on one level. It's one of the few things that's written on the Matzeva. All the Rabbeim, the Rabbeim, because Tshuva is huge by the Ebishter. There's a Yid who's still alive, whose name is Sholem Gansberg. Sholem Gansberg lived in the Rebbe's house probably for a decade. From 1982 till 1992, he lived in the house on the third floor. The Rebbe and the Rebbe lived on the second floor. Sholem Gans lived on the third floor. When the Rebbe made Kiddush Friday night, when the Rebbe sat down to the Seder Pesach, when the Rebbe sat down to eat in the sukkah, there were three people sitting at the table. The Rebbe, the Rebbe, and Sholem. Sholem used to serve the food. The Rebbe and the Rebbe wouldn't touch the food until he sat down. He used to, he used to ask the Rebbe the Manishtana for heaven's sakes. Sholem Gans was very close to the Rebbe. Why is another story, but that's the fact. After the Rebbe passed away, the Rebetzin was so important to the Rebbe. The Rebetzin pushed the care of the Rebbe. And the Rebetzin could challenge the Rebbe, could question the Rebbe, could, you know, could protest if she felt the Rebbe was doing something which was not good for him. When the Rebetzin was gone, there was nobody to do that. 
Except Shalom. Like the Rebbe didn't take a haircut for like a year or something. And they didn't know what to do. Who's going to tell him? And Shalom went into the Rebbe and said, maybe the Rebbe should take a haircut. So the Rebbe said, I have no hair. <laughs> his hair was down his shoulders. You can see the pictures. But in the front, he had no hair. But the Rebbe took a haircut. So one of the stories that Shalom Gansberg tells, there's a book called Bakaydish Panima. Someone tricked Shalom Gansberg. He followed him around like a, like a shadow. Everything Shalom Gansberg said, he wrote down. And before he got married, he came to him with a manuscript. He said, listen, I'm printing this for my wedding. Look it over or don't look it over, but I'm printing it for my wedding. It's all of the Shalom Gansberg stories. Very private stuff. You're not going to read this anyplace else. One of the stories that he tells in the book is the following story. It's the winter of Nambes. It's a couple of months before the stroke. The Rebbe's in his room in 770. And he's pacing the room. And the Rebbe's not a pacer. The Rebbe's not a pacer. The Rebbe sits still. Sometimes he can pace. The Rebbe never walks around. Pacing the room. And he's talking to himself. And the Rebbe says these words in Yiddish. I was born on a Friday. Everybody who's born on a Friday never finishes what they start. I don't know. I'm giving you words. I was born on a Friday. Okay, so you have a problem. You do. And by the way, by me telling you the story, it didn't ruin your life. I just revealed it. But the Rebbe says, I was born on a Friday. Hey, listen. I was born on a Friday. Everybody who was born on a Friday never finishes what it starts. What have I accomplished? This is two months for the stroke. What have I accomplished? Shalom is in the room. He's the only one there. What he's doing in the Rebbe's room, I don't know, but he was there. And the Rebbe wasn't talking to him. The Rebbe was talking. But he heard it. And he says to the Rebbe, how could the Rebbe say that? The Rebbe made Bali Tshuva. And he saw from the Rebbe's reaction that the Rebbe said, yeah, good. Yeah, I did something in my life. I made Bali Tshuva. So in this book, you have the story that the Rebbe says, I was born on a Friday. People born on Friday never finish what they start. What have I accomplished? And Shalom just says, he doesn't know where the words came from. He says to the Rebbe, you made, he could have said a thousand things. You made Chedushet Taira, you, you built Chabad houses. But the words that came out of his mouth were you made by the children. The Rebbe was happy. So in the footnote of this story, there's another story. That the Tzemach Tzedek, at whom the Rebbe was named, had exactly the same thing. I don't know if he was born on a Friday, but Tzemach Tzedek was elderly. And the Tzemach Tzedek was talking, and one of his children was in the room. And he says, look at me, I'm this and this old, what have I accomplished? I mean, what did Tzemach Tzedek accomplish? What didn't he accomplish? But the Tzemach Tzedek sort of felt like I've done nothing, I haven't finished. So whoever was in his room, and I don't remember the name, tells him, what do you mean? You made so many Chedushetayre. So many Chedushetayre, Tzemach Tzedek Chedushetayre. So he says, no, so, but it's not good enough. He says, what do you mean? You have so many chassidim. And the other guy didn't get it right the first time. He went through two or three or four different examples. And each time he told the tzemach tzedek, you did kach v'kach. Tzemach tzedek says, not enough. Until he also says to the tzemach tzedek, v'rabim heishiv me'oven, you made bali tshuva. And tzemach tzedek says, yeah, that nobody could take from me. Yeah, I take a bit bali tshuvas. And bali tshuvas are not big chassidim. They're bali tshuva. You know, the middle of the Rebbe had a dream where he saw the Mezit Shemagid walking over a bridge and he almost fell into the water. Then he saw his father, the Altar, walking over the same bridge and the waters were calm and he walked across, no problem. So the middle of the Rebbe said, how come when your Rebbe walked across the bridge, the bridge almost collapsed? And when you walked across the bridge, the bridge was peaceful and quiet. So the Altar Rebbe answered him, you can't compare the Rebbe to me, the Rebbe in the Magid. I made by the Tshuva. 
The Bezit Shemagid was the Rebbe of all the Tzadikim of Chassidus. But he didn't have to do it by the children. The Bezit Shemagid's involvement by the children was through his students. He wasn't busy with those people. Just Tzadikim. And his entire bridge is precarious. The Abish that has a weakness about Jew. I, I spent the first hour here, Sonny Bay's girls. One of the characteristics of Americans, I don't want to keep you over time, is Americans are never too old to change. It's a nature that we have. And Hashem loves a Balchuva. Not necessarily a big chassid. The person who's able to say, I made a mistake and I'm going to fix it. But the Abish is the most precious thing. And this is Pesach Sheni. This is Pesach Sheni. Okay, Lechaim Kinderlach, good Shabbos.